Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's the weekly podcast about agriculture and medicine with an emphasis on biotechnology and the good things we can do for people and the planet. And today for episode 149, <laughs> I almost got ahead of us, it's uh, episode 149. Um, I'm jo- joined by Dr. Paul Vincelli. Hi, Paul. Hey, Kevin. Good to talk to you. Yeah, it is good to talk to you too because I find myself in a little bit of a conundrum here. And there's a conversation that needs to be had across wider science because a few of the events of this week have really pointed out a really a, a glaring global issue, something that we really need to talk about in balancing how do we honor our confidentiality and at the same time be transparent. Mm-hmm. And can we do both at the same time? Well, I think, yeah, I think you've, you've kind of framed it, uh, precisely. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we agree to, we don't really have a plan for this particular program, but just more of a conversation. Um, but I, you know, I, I realized as we were talking, uh, you know, a couple hours ago over the phone that, and you did too, that, that there, this, this issue of transparency and the, and the importance of, of, um, the public trust that it helps create transparency on the, le- in the left hand and, and the confidentiality agreements uh, that help to protect intellectual property of uh, could be the researchers' uh, intellectual property or the or the source of funding's intellectual property. So that and that put that in the right hand, and that you know that dynamic it represents really conflicting values. Um, and so I don't anticipate an easy answer, but but you and I thought it would be helpful to us and and maybe uh, to others to have a conversation, start a conversation about that dynamic that. Uh, so troublesome. I think that this is the point is this is a good place for us to start a much needed conversation. And I hope it takes place online. I hope it happens in the comments section of the episode. Um, let's really start to sort this out because sure. the way I'm looking at this, and maybe we should just start by talking about what happened. Mm-hmm. So back in 2017, uh, like halfway through the year, I was approached by a law firm that I never heard about before. And they asked me if I'd be willing to spend my expertise working on a really cool project. And I said, I don't really want to, you know, you know, they said they have some old data to look at and something that they could use um, my input as uh, an expert in this particular technique and everything. I said, okay, um, you know, really not interested, not interested. And a few weeks went by and they called back and said, you know, you're really the right guy to do this. You've done this technique. You know all about it. You're, you know, you published on it. It's a, it's a private, um, uh, I guess, arbitration or mediation between parties that they agreed to that they would have some experts sort this out. And I was one of the experts that was sorting it. Um, eventually, I, I agreed to do it because they said, well, we'll offer you a good sum to, for your time and compensate you well for it. And they did. So this law firm said in the contract that 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 the information in this particular case was to be confidential. 
including the players and the content, uh, who was involved, who wasn't involved. And, and to this date, nobody knows exactly who was involved and who wasn't and in what capacity, except for a dozen people or so. And so, the, and and this is good to start off with this because I think um, having some of the facts laid out by you uh, is is uh, is useful. So I just wanted to interrupt with that. No, it's good. Yeah. So, so carry on. So the other side of this is that for me to do this kind of work is inconsistent with my university appointment. So I filled out forms to do this as outside work, meaning I would take vacation time to do this, and and I did. Um, I took fifteen vacation days in the last fifteen years, so I had a few in the bank, <laughs> and. Um, yeah. And uh, I took vacation days to work on this project, and it was a lot of fun. I, I read a lot. I and did a lot of interpretations. I, I wrote a report, read some reports. It was a lot of fun. And it was intellectually stimulating. And ultimately, I think, really contributed to solving this very old discrepancy between these parties. And uh, in that way, it was very successful. The problem is, is that now... I'm doing this work on my own time, uh, has nothing to do with my research, nothing to do with the information I communicate, nothing to do with the podcast, nothing to do with anything, you know, at all. I mean, I actually was working with materials that were probably pre-2005. And um, all is well and good. Everything's finished. It turns out that now some people start poking around with uh, public records requests because somewhere, somehow somebody was, I don't know if it's from the law firm or someone involved in the other parties or whatever started leaking information about this and was breaking confidentiality. And when people heard about this through the grapevine, which is very robust these days, I get a, um, you know, I start getting questions about, Oh, well, and uh, one person asked me, um, it's on my it's on my blog if you need to know who um you know what's your relationship with this company and this company in, in this matter and i said i'm being retained as a um as a subject matter expert and i'm not allowed to discuss details of the case and by the way being a expert in this and being compensated in an external matter was clearly on my website and that's something that has been disclosed. It's fully disclosed. I never said anything about not doing this work. I'm doing this work. So now we get into a problem because they, now that I gave them that answer that I'm doing uh, this uh, expert work and I can't disclose anything, now they go, well, now we need to know more. We need the dirt. So they use Freedom of Information Act requests anonymously. These are these are people I considered friends. Anonymously go into this, obtain records, and then take the liberty to interpret those records in the way that fits their model. And the problem with this is a couple of things, is that it would have been nice if they would have called and said, here's what we're thinking, here's where we see a problem, what do you think, can we have a conversation and work our way through this and maybe do the best outcome? No, they had to throw me under the bus and in the process did it to themselves too. It's very damaging. People don't have a calculus on how bad these very public um, things uh, hurt everybody, myself included sometimes. That's the matter is, is how do I navigate the, the, my, my desire to be transparent with the absolute need to keep some things confidential? And that's the question that we pose today. 
I'm not going to have the answer. <laughs> Since we've agreed, I, I, uh, I think you posed the the very question. I, you know, from from the standpoint, let's talk a little bit about confidentiality agreements. From the standpoint of being a senior faculty member in the Department of Plant Pathology at the University of Kentucky, um, I, I, I've watched my um, colleagues um, take on confidentiality agreements so that they can test products that are that are important to know how they function in the state of Kentucky. You know, when I was in early in my career, that was a time when confidentiality agreements were just starting to occur. And, and so, you know, I had the luxury of really saying, no, I think I accepted one, one time for, for fungicide testing. That's where most of my industry um, collaborations have occurred. And, um, you know, so, so I could say no, because, you know, really didn't affect the funding of my program. Uh, I, I accepted one, regretted it ever since, and I said, no, that's it. So, But I have the luxury of being able to do that because I'm a full professor. I have been for, you know, geez, um, well over really? 20 years. Well, <laughs> no, that's not right. Maybe 20 years. That's not right. No, <laughs> 18 years. Sorry, I'm having trouble with the math. But it's close yeah, to two right. decades. Yeah, yeah. I've been here a long time. <laughs> and so – you know, I'm I'm established, and I've got wonderful activities and outreach and so on and teaching. But my young colleagues, they they really need to accept confidentiality agreements. It's not only a source of important funding to do important things. Uh, frankly, we need funds to do imp- important things, and we don't get enough through state government and and federal grants and so on. There's just not enough money, people. If you're unfamiliar with science funding. Um, so it's natural to develop relationships with companies because there's just not enough funding to do all the science that people want to do in this world. And so, so logically, people or researchers are going to make uh, connections with industry, interested interest, industry partners and go forward from there. And it's often going to involve um, confidentiality agreements. So, so scientists do these things for funding reasons and, and critically needed funding reasons. But also, um, you know, it, it does put us in a position to see how products perform in the state of Kentucky, for example. So, so I, I actually understand that this is the way the world is now. We, 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 we may or may not like it, but we, we can't change it. And there's some good reasons for doing confidentiality agreements I, or, or, or being willing to do so. What do you, what do you want to add to that? Well, actually something really good. So you talk about it from the standpoint of the company, um, a company having some technology they wanting tested and wanting to do it in a confidential manner. At the same time, so I'm a good example. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not really a senior researcher, but I've been around for 16 years in the university uh, as a professor. And uh, I spent the last five years as a department chair and um, spent my time really dedicated to the service of others and not necessarily service to myself and my research program. And uh, I didn't write as many grants as I could have. And in this strict, in this difficult funding climate, um, I find myself now um, suddenly not department chair, suddenly back in a research laboratory context um, with the last of my grants running out and they will be exhausted by the end of this year and I will have layoffs in a very small lab in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so I do a lot of cool stuff. Um, our research has never been more exciting. And uh, the, like one good example is this work we do with LED light, 
we were leaders in this back in the early 2000s, and we still have always been defining the edge of the thinking in a lot of ways. And we got some cool new data. And people are interested because of little tidbits I've dropped at meetings and things I've talked about, and they want to have relationships so that they can develop the next wave of technologies that will be best for them. They come approach me and say, well, we'd love to know what you're thinking. Um, at the same time, we don't really want people to know that we're you know, working in this area. You know, maybe it's a company that was always working in a traditional lighting space that now shift, is shifting LED or something. And so we need to do a non-disclosure agreement. And what it does is, you know, we won't talk about what you are, you're talking about. Nothing leaves this phone call. And that those are important because it allows us a platform to begin relationships. If I have to not use that, not only are companies not yeah. going to work with me, but now, yeah. and I've had this happen where I've written proposals that haven't been under non-disclosure. I've turned them into companies and companies say, well, we'll, we'll fund this for sure. This is great. I turn in the proposal and they say, eh, not so interested in funding it. And then they just go do my work. <laughs> so this is what- Mining your basically ideas. Basically mining the ideas. And so this is why this kind of um, non-disclosure agreement is so critical. Yeah. And, and so yeah. how did the problem is now is that if I'm going to work with a non-disclosure agreement and I'm going to promise not to talk about what we do, yet people can use transparency laws and uh, in public records requests to pry those documents out of the system and then say, look, he's not being transparent. How do, and so what do you do? How do you do it? You can see the, the challenge that that represents because because then all right and particularly because we both are active in outreach on biotechnology you can imagine some people reading about this topic and saying but what does he know that he can't talk about you know and um you know actually it occurs to me i had a i had an experience um two confidentiality agreements. I mentioned one and that was for product testing and, you know, in the 1990s and I did it once and I said, no, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. But I actually had one other and, and your listeners are going to be interested in this. Or our listeners are going to be interested in this. I actually was invited to give a seminar on fungicide resistance to the Monsanto headquarters, to the scientists at Monsanto headquarters in St. Louis. And this was in 2010 was April of 2010, I went and gave the seminar. And I actually, another colleague of mine was also giving a, a seminar on the topic. So we coordinated and had a very nice experience, presented interesting information, and they had some questions. And, you know, it was just a good experience. They did require that I do a confidentiality agreement with uh, because, because, you know, that's just what they do. They're afraid they might slip and say something that, you know, they don't want uh, – their competitors to know. So they said, would you sign this confidentiality agreement? It took me a while to agree. I really had to think about it, but I said, sure. Okay. Because I, I want the experience of seeing the world from the private sector standpoint. That's a good thing to do as a professor is to understand multiple perspectives. And, um, you know, for five years, I wasn't able to talk about it. And, uh, and, uh, but now I am. And uh, there was nothing, <laughs> I mean, there was nothing of concern. You know, no, not, and frankly, if there had been something th th that posed a significant threat, a measurable threat to humans or, or the environment, I, I think I would have just gone with it. Uh, I just don't think I could live with myself for five years hiding something that I thought the public should know. 
but um, you know, who knows what they would have done to me legally, but there was nothing. <laughs> it was like the conversations were all pretty pedestrian and they were do- doing some interesting work, which uh, physiological work in plants, which I thought was fascinating and promptly forgot because I did- couldn't remember the details. So, you know, but the, but the perception is when you're under a confidentiality agreement like that, particularly with large corporations, because, you know, there, there is a lot of earned distrust <laughs> of, of large corporations. Um, you know, people will wonder what does he know that he can't tell us? Oh yeah. So you didn't get the everlasting gobstopper, right? I mean, it, 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 <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the idea, you know, that was like their confidentiality agreement. Um, but, but how does this start to apply to other facets of the academic experience? We're oftentimes asked to keep things confidential, confidential in our reviews, in grant proposal reviews, in the conversations in grant panels. You know, these are, we're supposed to keep these things confidential and we do because it's important for the process. And how is that not a conflict of interest to understand what other people are doing in your field and who's getting funded? and not be able to talk about it. Yeah. I, you know, conflicts of interest in the reading I've done are, are can be thought of as wider than we usually think of. But if there's, if there's money, you know, funding uh, something in that, you know, some, something to do with financial resources, then, then it's, it's pretty clear that those, that represents a conflict of interest. There can be, um, so, like if I'm on a particular team, a team, the team that believes the universe is expanding, okay, then I'm I'm sort of identified with that position emotionally. So it's a maybe a, and if I've written about it, it's it's a bit of a conflict of interest, even though there's no funding changing hands because I've I've you know sort of made, staked my position out in public. So I've I've seen people describe conflicts of interest in that way too, and they give it a name, but um, yeah, it's it's. It's a tough, you know, it, it's a tough uh, topic. And, and you know, it isn't just people that interact with the large agrochemical and seed companies that have conflicts of interest. If you receive funding from any source, you have a conflict of interest. And, and what's, what, what, what complicates the conflict of interest issue with um, – you know, is is the confidentiality agreement because that seals it off. You know, so you can't even disclose your conflict of interest, which is really, really all people need to do is just it doesn't having a conflict of interest is common and there's no harm in that. It doesn't often really mean anything except, you know, if you if you have a non disclosure agreement, you can't talk about the conflict of interest even that. Yeah, and, and that's where I'm at too right now. I have a small, small amount of money from a venture capital firm, like maybe $30,000 that was used to hire a part-time technician to do some work for a collaborator because we do this work really well. And I don't have any money to hire anybody. So they did this. The problem is I can't talk about it. I can't talk about the genes that we're using. I can't talk about what, um, even, you know, even talking about the existence of this is saying too much. Right. Um, right. But yeah. you see the problem that we're in. Now it's going to be, uh, you know, well, Fult has got undisclosed, whatever. And then they go digging through FOIA and they uh, expose the proposal with proprietary information that, oh, that someone else owns. It's not a big company. It's a small laboratory, yeah. um, a, an academic laboratory. 
And now that information is going to be smeared all over the internet and, and, you know, and, and their good idea shared with laboratories all over the world. When everybody is yeah. reaching for the next big thing, you now are going to see, I mean, it, it destroys collaboration, at least with folks who are in states where you can get all the documents. Um, it, it takes away from the collegial um, confidential nature of discussing a scientific project. Oh. There's a lot of really oh, weird edges to this. And I, and I don't know that, that I know an answer other than to stop research or stop talking about research. Yeah, I don't know that I can have it both ways. That's the, the conflict that we've identified, you and I, in our conversation here is that, you know, you can't, maybe you can't have it both ways. You, I mean, you, the, you know, anybody. Um, it, confidentiality has its place. I think that we're, we're say, saying that from our own experiences and, and principles. And transparency has a place in, in helping to foster trust of scientific communicators, science communicators. And sometimes they're in conflict. <laughs> Which is really uh, sad because both are really important yeah. values. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think that's what's interesting about this conversation we've had about it is it helps to frame maybe a conversation that you know is worth having in the world of science uh, on the internet, maybe uh, you know through other outlets, scientific organizations, and in fact, uh, as I mentioned to you in our sort of preliminary discussion that you and I had, I I I, I think you've had some. Um, you know, some thoughts on this area and some experiences. And so I, I'm encouraging, uh, you know, a commentary for a scientific journal on the issue with, with maybe several authors, because this is not just something that agricultural science has to deal with. Pharmaceuticals, I'm sure that that's a big deal, you know, maybe even vaccines and, you know, where anytime you've got potential uh, economic interests that want to protect their intellectual property, and want to protect uh, themselves from competitors getting information, then, you know, you can understand this is going to happen, yet it puts the science communicator possibly at risk of, of um, you know, of, of not being able to be fully transparent. Yeah, well, it's a lose-lose, right? Because you're lose-lose. you're either transparent or and, and talk about everything, or you honor non-disclosure and keep your word to not talk about everything. And it really is an interesting problem because, you know, I, I, I thought here was a great example of um, being able to do something completely outside of work. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could have done, you know, anything that just, you know, uh, it just was digging through some data and um, for it to be framed as this, uh, you know, breach of ethics um, which, you know, the folks who really threw me under the bus on this really, really did say this is an, an unethical breach of publication ethics. But, you know, the, I, my publication ethics have never been questioned. I publish all the time and everything is fully disclosed on websites about what, what I do and where it comes from to the extent that I'm allowed to disclose it by non-disclosure agreements. And I know that sounds confusing. But, you know, the basic idea, you know, you're exactly right. This needs to be taken on by a broader context and and a a bigger conversation with more people involved. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Kevin, I've followed you actually before we even started working together on this, talking about tech. It was probably at least a year that I followed you um, in, you know, in 
various settings, including Twitter. And, and I, you've, you've always been a good source of the science. You've always been solid in the science. And, and so, you know, here, here's the other, here's the part that, that, that I'm sure, you know, is, is going to um, arise in the internet. But, um, but basically there will be some that will ask the question, have you accurately represented your relationships with corporate agricultural corporations? And, uh, and this, in, in this particular case, um, you know, it, it, it appears that there's a relationship with, a um, with one or another, uh, industry, you know, corporation and, um, you know, there was compensation as you mentioned. And, um, and so, and, and yet you're, you know, you present, um, distance from, from these organizations. So I think there's, this is going to come up and, you know, it's only fair to, to throw that out there and let you, um, you know, give us a, your thoughts on it. Oh, no, that's perfectly fine. We we always have discussed where funds come from in the proper context. And um, over the years, we've had great support from the Florida strawberry industry, where they funded numerous research proposals for us to do a lot of very nice work. And that's always been completely above board and transparent. And when I talk about that work, I talk about Florida strawberry industry. It's on my websites. When I talk about the light work we do, we talk about USDA and the people who funded that work. I don't thank the Florida strawberry industry for work I do on light because they're not doing work on light and strawberries. So I'm very careful to be precise in attributing the credit for funding work where that credit is due. Yet it all can be seen in a compendium on my website. Over the years, we've had uh, support from Simplot to do some work on things I can't talk about, <laughs> but, 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 but a very interesting work. Um, we had uh, work with um, Bayer recently in the last year where they funded a postdoc in my laboratory under the Grants for Targets program because we have some interesting new ways to identify growth regulating molecules, novel molecules. And uh, they funded about 80% of a, of a postdoctoral research scholar for a year. Wasn't much money, but again, all on my website. And um, the outreach from Monsanto years ago, that was fully discussed anytime I did the talks or presentations that were relevant. I didn't put it on my um, talks when I talked about strawberries or talked about light. Um, it was there on the website for the work workshops and outreach programs. So I always was precisely transparent and, and put the stuff out there. It was always... Um, very clear, mostly because I wanted to wanted to give credit where credit was due. So uh, yeah. So anyway, ultimately, you know, the, this this particular case, the the private mediation that you were uh, serving at, where you were serving as a um, a uh, <laughs> analyst, basically. Um, well, that's the right? problem is that, that there was no box the- to check on the forms. So on the form, I, I <laughs> you know, and this was back before I had to fill out the form just when this was even mentioned that I might do this because I wanted to have all my ducks in a row with respect to, um, you know, be, having my bases covered for outside work. So I wasn't even sure of the nature of the work. And so I checked the box that said consultant because they were like engineer, <laughs> um, you know, you know um, right, director, right. all the, the other ones were not even closely, you know, but what I technically was, was a um, special matter. I'm sorry. What do they call this? I never can remember what this is. It's a, uh, a special matter expert, or is that right? Whatever it is. It's, it's when you are someone who knows 
the specifics of a given area that you're brought in simply. It's like a ballistics uh, expert in a uh, in a crime who would be asked to come in and measure, you know, does this bullet hole match this particular uh, weapon mm-hmm. and would do those analyses yeah. and give their final conclusion. It may suit one party. It may suit the other. Who knows? You're just an expert interpreting data. Yeah. So so in this case, this particular case that, you know, sort of precipitated our discussion, what what would be the elevator I mean, I know there's limits to what you can say, but maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's some things that you could say that would be of interest to listeners. What, um, what would be the elevator description of this particular you know, association? You know, you know, but, but <laughs> or it, is it, that out of bounds? All I can say is that it's a private mediation that two parties agreed to, and they said we will accept the outcome of this discussion based upon evidence, and. Experts were called in to present evidence and to analyze old data. We were, and it was a series of expert witnesses, and it um, was to take care of a very old, ancient discussion that never was quite resolved. And 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 really, that's all I can say about it. So uh, anyway, Kevin, uh, thanks for you know that for the conversation. I appreciate uh, that we've been able to uh, you know to go, go through this, into this issue and, and explore it. And yeah, it's definitely one that it's got my attention now, this tug of war between the need for transparency and the need for confidentiality to protect IP, intellectual property. So, uh, yeah. So thanks uh, again for, uh, the chance to participate in talking biotech. Oh, you know, it's my pleasure. I, I really like when you do these episodes and I'd hope that we could do another one together soon. And unfortunately under these circumstances, but at the same time, I think it was a lot of fun to think on this and talk about it. And the, the good news is the take home message from this that makes me feel better is I'm in a bad spot because I'm trying to honor two very important values. And I'm trying to, at the same time, be transparent, at the same time as keep my word to maintain the privacy of others. And that's a really tough place to be. The sad part about it is it ultimately means that, um, especially with the criticism, uh, I'm going to have to not do something. And it probably is not be in the uber transparent science communication space. Um, I'm going to have to go back to research space and uh, and have non-disclosure agreements and honor them. And uh, that's kind of the way it's going to go. And it's not big agriculture pulling the strings of the puppet, you know, like they say. Um, it's little companies. It's small organizations. It's people around, you know, it's individuals, uh, small company startups. Um, these are the ones who I hope to uh, continue to work with. So this is a Talking Biotech podcast, number 149. Write a review on iTunes. Do your thing. Um, Thank you all very much for listening. Paul, thanks for joining again. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, Scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at collabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.